Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are. You should know who this is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And this week, guys, I'm flying solo. Why is that? Well, Mike is on a two-week vacation over in Italy with his lovely fiance, and uh, he's probably having a great time right now on the gondola, sipping some wine, having a, a plate of pasta or something like that. And here I am doing it, you know, taking one for the team. <laughs> I'm not really feeling very sympathetic for myself either. That sounds pretty same, pretty lame and pathetic, doesn't it? Well, today we're going to talk about overcoming the fear of making offers. And I got a property right now listed for a client and sad situation. The the folks, uh, the, the guy I sold it to last spring passed on and uh, he only lived in the house for a few months and now it's turned on to his daughters to sell. Uh, so they hired me to turn around and resell the property. Well, the guy bought it as a fixer upper and he was, he fixed, he was buying, he bought it and then it was going to fix it up. And he, you know, he passed away before he had a chance to fix it up. So now the house needs a roof. It needs some electrical work. It needs uh, air conditioning, things like that. And we got it listed on the market and um, we're not getting any offers. Now, the first thing you're probably thinking, especially if you're a realtor is, well, that's related to price. It is related to price, but more importantly, it's related to the fact that folks are not making an offer. And what I see and what I've seen more of a trend recently is that when market when buyers are unsure of the future of what's going on like for example last summer everybody was like oh my god this is great everything's going to you know happy days are here again we're going to be fine and people are just buying anything that goes up for sale and what you're finding now is a little different sentiment in the uh, investing community now a lot of you are interpreting that as a market crash well i'm not an economist i'm not here to predict whether or not the market's going to crash or not but um for the market to crash, first of all, people got to stop buying altogether. And I can tell you that I've had other listings recently. If they, if if you can finance them, people will buy them. Now this one, it needs a roof, it needs electrical, and it needs probably an updated air conditioner. So with that, that's a lot of front end stuff, and people are cash poor right now in the market. So people are having the fear of making offers. I'm talking to realtors. I'm going. They're going well, you know, because I call for feedback on every every showing. Well, my client likes the house, loves the house, but they don't want to offend the seller. It's like, well, don't make, don't worry about offending the seller. You're not going to offend the seller. They just want to sell this thing. And for that to happen, somebody needs to make an offer. And what happens is, is that these realtors are become paralyzed in the fear that they're going to offend, whether it be me or the seller or whomever. Um, so they either tell their client that for whatever reason, find something else to make an offer on or the client decides they don't want to make offers. They're looking for this perfectly priced property. Now, I have a client right now. It's been a friend of ours for years. And uh, this person is a, is a real estate investor and she's new to real estate investing. And she's afraid, it has a lot of fear over making offers. And I do a lot of clients like this. And this is one of the benefits I provide for people when I'm working with them as a buyer's agent is that I don't have that fear. That doesn't phase me in the least. And we're going to find out as much information as we can. We're going to do our research. We're going to put together an offer that makes sense. And hopefully I have the opportunity to have an audience with either the seller or the listing agent uh, where we can explain where we're coming from. And then we're going to put an offer in and off we go to the races. Now, as you might imagine, sometimes those offers spawn emotion. And it, a lot of folks say, well, offers, writing off, making offers, it doesn't need to be emotional. Well, I got news for you. Making offers is in fact emotional. It doesn't matter what you're offering or who you're offering it to. There is a degree, and how much of a degree depends on a lot of factors. Number one, it depends on you. 
are you thick skinned or you kind of a, a recluse or maybe you're, you're nervous and maybe you're a people pleaser and you don't want to do anything but pay full price because you don't want to offend anybody to prove to yourself that this, this offer making process is an emotional one. I challenge you to walk into any store in America and ask for a discount. Just do it. Walk into Walmart and tell them you're not happy with $9.99 for the T-shirt. You want it for $5. At one point, if you're even remotely human, you're going to feel some tinge of nervousness, embarrassment, something, a little bit of excitement. Your blood pressure is going to pulse just a little bit. Some of you, you might enjoy it and find it exciting. I'm one of those people. Other folks would be like, oh, my God, there's no way I'm walking into Walmart and asking for a discount. My point is, no matter who you are, making offers does inspire, does bring forth some type of emotion. And a lot of times it keeps people, that whole process, that thought process, brings people to the point to where they fear making offers altogether. It's an unsettling feeling, no doubt. Uh, But I'm here to tell you, if you're experiencing that feeling, it's normal, okay? It's normal. Everybody goes through it. I've been doing this for, I don't forget how long. It's, It's normal. I go through it. I enjoy the process. It's exciting to me because I love the psychology of making offers and and negotiating with people and whatnot. But that doesn't mean I, I don't get a little nervous sometimes. Uh, sometimes I'm depending on the offer. I'm actually flat out scared because it's like, wow, the they've priced it so ridiculously high that there there's no way that anybody's going to pay that. I still want to do the deal, but I have to get it for let's say half of that to even make it make sense. Well, I'm the guy that's going to put the offer in. Um, and they may not like it, but I at least feel like there's no stone left unturned. And I'm here to tell you that over the years, the deals that I've written offers on that sat on the market forever and ever and ever, even when I've come in with very low offers as compared to full ask, I've you'd be surprised the percentage of those deals that I've gotten. I would probably say 30% of those deals where I've made an offer that most people would say I was crazy to make, that the seller was going to literally murder me. Uh, I got those offers accepted. And that's just because I'm the only girl at the dance, right? If you're the only girl at the dance, I shouldn't say that these days, especially you guys will start thinking I'm trans or something, but which I'm not. But um, if you're the only one girl at the dance, then you're going to get a lot of people asking you to dance. That's just kind of how it works, right? So process the consequences. This is one thing I do to help me through the process is I sit there and I think about the consequences of making the offer that I want to make. Now, to some degree, a lot of folks I've talked to fear success. It's true. Because if the offer gets accepted, now you have to perform. And if you offer 100000 all cash, and you close in seven days, and you don't have 100000 and there's no way you're going to get 100000 in seven days, and you bet your bippy that's going to bring forth some emotion. So maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe if that, I understand the fear of that process. But ask yourself the question, how will the other party react? Break it down if you need to. Then sit back and ponder each response that you believe will happen and then rationalize the likelihood of that response happening. What do I mean by that? Well, let's use an example. Will they laugh at you? How will that make you feel if they laugh at you? How will you react to being laughed at? And for a lot of people, that's not a good feeling. Nobody likes being laughed at unless you're a comedian. Um, Will they yell at you or become angry? How will that make you feel? And I know it sounds like I sound like a shrink when I'm saying that, but it's an, it's true. How are you going to react to the response of someone getting angry with you? Are you going to punch them in the head? Are you going to run and hide in the bushes? What are you going to do? Can they? Will they cancel or ignore you and hang up on you? Flat out rejection. 
uh, silent rejection. Sometimes that's the worst because you don't know whether they're mad or they're upset or they're just, or they're um, sad or, or what their emotion is. You're left to wonder how are you going to make, how's that going to make you feel? How are you going to react to that response? Okay. Go through with yourself. What's the worst that can happen if you exercise. Okay. And here's what that looks like. What's the worst that can happen if I make an offer or something's on the market for 500,000 and there's no way it's the value to me is worth more than 300,000. Let's say I'm going to rent it and there's no way I could pay more than $300,000 and have a positive cash flow after renovations Then I'm going to offer 300,000. So I'm going to ask myself, will they kill me if I make this offer? No, that's a bit extreme. Will they shoot at me? Probably not. And I'm a good shot. I'd probably, you know, retaliate. It would not end well for them. Will they yell at me? Well, maybe, but that's, they're going to feel like a fool when they're done. And I don't really care if somebody yells at me. It doesn't bother me. I'll just simply hang up on them and I'll call them back when they pull their head out of their backside. So to me, when I go through these processes, it's like, well, I've honestly never had anybody yell at me for an offer, believe it or not. I've never had anybody kill me or try to kill me or attempt violence. I've never had anybody threaten me. Uh, I know a few land investors that get threatened every time they open their mailbox, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole story for a different day. But in this case, I've never really had anybody. I've had people hang up on me a lot. Um, that's usually the most popular response. They hang up on me. And then a lot of times I will call and see if, you know, find out what happened. Why did we get disconnected? And in that case, some people will realize that they were acting like a two-year-old and carry on a, try to carry on a civil conversation. There's a large number of people that will simply hang up the phone. And if they do, fine, then maybe I'll write that offer up and I'll stick it in the mail and I'll mail it to them. And then they can have a glass of wine, sing Kumbaya, and take a look at it again, especially when I'm the only offer set in front of them. So, guys, at the end of the day, you know, think through these things. And what you're going to find is that most of the cockamamie ideas that you think are going to happen are not re reasonable. And if you sit back and really rationalize what the seller or the of the of whatever good it is, whether it be a home or a product, is going to go through, most people aren't going to get all that chapped up. And if they do, it'll only be for a minute, Okay. The best way to get comfortable that I've ever come up with in making offers is to simply practice doing it as often as possible. That means going into that retail establishment, asking for a discount. Down here in Key West, the little game that I play to exercise that muscle is because we're a big tourist economy and it's expensive here because it's paradise. Everything's expensive. Um, I will ask for a local's discount because a lot of restaurants give a local's discount. And depending on the restaurant or bar, that will be anywhere from, I don't know, 5, 10, 15, 20% off the tab. So when I get that, I will, I ask the question, do you have offer locals discount? I show my ID that says I live in Key West and they will either give it to me or they don't have it. And if they do have it, I will take that discount and I apply it to the server's tip. So the server provided they give me good service will get, I usually tip 20% if it's decent service. If I get a, a locals discount, I will add that to the uh, server's tip. So they'll get 20% plus whatever discount. So in some cases they get 30, 40, 50% tip. And for that to happen, they need to give me able to give decent service. That's for sure. But I do that because now I want to get, I use that as, I mean, obviously I want to help the servers out best I can, but secretly I'll tell you honestly, between us, one of the reasons I do this is, is because it makes me feel good. I like knowing that and when I give back to these folks, that it makes them feel good. I like to see the smile on their face. It makes me happy. That said, when you practice going through emotions, I know this sounds crazy and cockamamie, but when you practice having emotions, 
even something as simple as this, giving an extra tip or obtaining a discount and then giving it to the worker behind the counter as a bonus. It helps you get used to processing emotions, processing the fear of asking for a discount, processing the uh, feeling of getting praise because that, you know, that's for some folks, that's a problem. I'm not a big fan of people fawning all over me. I'm just a guy that does stuff and I don't really want a whole lot of credit for it. I just want to do my thing and live my life and move on. So there's one way that you can practice that. You got to get comfortable with making offers and practice as much as you possibly can. And that's the only way that's going to happen. Now, when you're making offers, by the way, just because you make an offer that's low or there's a departure, a big difference between what this person is asking for the item, whether it be a house or a, a widget in a store, and what you're offering, the, the, the spread there is actually created by the seller of the item because they're the ones that spoke first and set forth the price. You follow? So think of it that way. It's not your fault that you have to make an offer lower because the only way you can buy this thing is if it makes financial sense for you. And you are you have a right to make a decision on what that means for you. It should not be the seller's decision what the value of something is. Now, they have to make a decision of what they're willing to sell it for, but there's no rule anywhere that says you have to agree with that. And it's okay to do that. Mike just bought a property out in Tennessee, or Tennessee, well, he just bought a property out in Colorado, a home to live in, and he did that because he wanted to. The rent out there was just absolutely insane. He could buy a place cheaper than he could rent one, and he didn't want to have to be worried about being uprooted, kind of like we have to go through here in Key West. Well, he got a, a massive discount off the property, uh, and that's because he asked for it. It doesn't like the seller just gave it to him. He had to work at it, and he had to swallow his pride and and fear the the feeling of rejection. Even his realtor, it wasn't me, I'm not licensed to Colorado. His realtor tried to talk him out of the discount. Some realtor, huh? Um, to preserve her pride. And that's what goes on in the world, right? You'll hear, when you work with people like this, guys, that are going to talk you out of doing things that you know you need to do, then maybe you need to get those people off your team. Okay. An offer lower than the asking price, regardless of the amount, is not always a lowball offer. Okay, first of all, you have to know that it's not always a lowball offer. If you've never heard of the greater fool theory, uh, this is something that you need to think about because there, here's a reason why, and this is kind of a sidebar a lot of folks get themselves in trouble because they rationalize not making an offer that they should or. Maybe you don't want to offer, I don't know, 30, 40% off a list price, even though that's really what the property's worth. Let's say you're a flipper or you're a, a buy and hold investor even, and you plan on selling this thing in five years. A lot of people use the greater fool theory to justify not making a appropriate offer on the front end. There's a reason why they say, and they've always said, that you make your money when you buy. That's because that's there as kind of a rule and guide to tell your brain that, hey, man, I got to get a good deal when I buy this thing because I just can't sit around and wait for it to to unwind the bad decision I made by using time. Now, a lot of people have done that. And over the last couple of years, everybody's been a hero in the real estate space. It's not rocket science to uh, be proficient in the real estate investing space when you're buying in a crazy market like it's been. Now things are starting to slow down and soften up. Interest rates are going higher. You really got to get focused on that. But yes, in the last couple of years, appreciation was so ridiculous, 20, 30, 40% in some markets, 50% in some markets year over year. 
that covers up a lot of errors. But those days are coming to a close, guys. And that's not a prediction that the market's going to crash or anything like that. None of that really matters. What matters is you're not going to get away with doing stupid stuff coming soon because the market's going to give reach out and give you a spanking. Now, for those of you who've never heard of the greater fool theory, I did a little thing on chat GPT just to see what they had to say about it. And I'm going to read it to you straight out of the, the uh, horse's mouth, I guess you'd say, or the computer's, the computer's result. It says the greater fool theory is an investment concept that suggests that an investor can profit from buying an overvalued asset, such as stock, real estate, or cryptocurrency with the expectation of selling it later to a greater fool at even a higher price, even if there's no underlying economic justification for the asset's value. I'm going to say that last part again. Even if there's no underlying economic justification for the asset's value. And that's just, that's the one where a lot of people are saying the market will never crash. This is different than 08. It is different than 08. Doesn't mean the market won't crash. What people didn't allow for is 7% interest rates. That'll probably be 8, 8.5 by the time we're done messing around with the uh, quantitative easing or quantitative tightening right now. It goes on to say, in the context of real estate investing, the greater fool theory implies that the investor purchases a property at an inflated price with the expectation that they'll be able to sell it to another investor at a higher price, even if there's no significant improvement in the property's value. The investor assumes that there will always be someone else who's willing to pay more for the property in the future. The greater fool theory is often associated with speculative bubbles. Isn't that what I just said? where investors build, bid up the prices of assets to unsustainable levels based on expectations of future price appreciation rather than any, re any real intrinsic value. The theory can lead to asset bubbles that eventually burst, causing investors to lose substantial amounts of money. And that's what they're talking about there is basically a, a real estate crash. And to some degree, this interest rate thing, we've reached an affordability cap in many markets across the country, Tampa being one of them, where folks just simply can't stand their rent going from 800 to 1650 a month. They can't because they were used to spending that extra money to live anyway. And now that money is being taken away from them has to be given to landlords with a lot of these big uh, corporate owned and syndicate apartment buildings. They're raising rents so much so fast that wages are not keeping up with it. So there is a disparity or there's a huge difference between uh, wage and, and earnings. And as far as in price, that gets dangerous, guys, because when affordability isn't there, it doesn't matter how pretty your apartment building is, no one can afford to pay for it, okay? It goes on to say, real estate investors should be careful when applying the greater fool theory to their investment decisions. I agree with that. It can be tempting to get caught up on the hype of a hot market and overpay for a property with the expectation that someone else will even pay, will pay more for it later. However, this approach can be risky, especially when the market experiences a downturn and the pool of potential buyers dries up. Now, guys, sidebar, interest rates, right? That's what will dry your buyers up. It's not that people don't want to buy. They want to buy. It's just that the guy that got approved at 5% interest on a $400,000 house at 7% interest can no longer afford a $400,000 house. Now he has to buy, let's say, a three hundred dollars or $300,000 house. And that changes the whole perspective. Maybe they wanted that fourth bedroom and they can't get it. Maybe they wanted a pool and now they can't get it. So a lot of times these buyers that even though they have the desire to buy will pump the brakes and not buy waiting for interest rates to go back down. It's anybody's guess whether that'll happen. Uh, to get your offer making skills in check, right? To just get good at it. Practice explaining your offers. And I don't necessarily mean go out there and waste a bunch of realtors and wholesalers and sellers time. Practice it with your friends. Sit down with them and role play the offer. 
Lastly, to wrap up, it's important that people see that whoever you make an offer to understands the reasoning for your offer. That comes from, and there's no substitution for, building rapport. And I realize that in today's world with realtors and wholesalers and all these different people in the middle of transactions, it's becoming harder and harder and harder to build rapport with sellers. Well, in that case, you know, you can work with folks that maybe work with you and helping build those relationships. Maybe you bring an agent on that's good at negotiating. Maybe in this case, maybe you do deal with a, uh, a hired negotiator or a wholesaler or somebody that's going to help you bridge the gap here such that your offer won't be taken as a lowball offer. Understand that it sounds like it feels like it's easy to believe that all offers are done these days in cash. And if you don't have cash, you can't put deals together. And I'm here to tell you guys, that's all a bunch of garbage. The only way to fear this, avoid the fear of this process is to work through that fear to get past that fear. And that comes with a ton of practice. It's not going to happen overnight. Don't expect yourself. Don't be to learn it overnight. Don't expect yourself to get comfortable with it. And even after 20 plus years now in the real estate space, I still feel a little twinge. Every time I make an offer, sometimes it's fear, sometimes it's excitement, sometimes it's both. But the bottom line is I still make the offers either way. And yes, the majority of the offers that I make on a day-to-day basis get refused. That's part of the process. I don't lose any sleep over it. Instead, I keep making more offers. I get better at explaining my offers. I get better at sourcing opportunity. I get better at finding motivated sellers. Guys, have a great week and we'll catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.